0: Hi, this is Co-Recursive and I'm Adam Gordon-Bell. Each episode is the story of a piece of software being built. I believe that getting underrepresented groups into software development is a good thing. This is not a controversial opinion. Uh, Lots of people feel this way, unless you're talking about certain
1: groups, like felons. Like you can legally discriminate against a felon legally. You can say, I'm not going to give you a job because of who you are. And so this is a different group and, and it's not the most popular, right? Like, I'm not saying I deserve your compassion. I'm asking for it, right? Like I'm asking for you to give me the chance, but I'm not saying I deserve it. That
0: is Rick Walter and he's an iOS developer and he gets why people might not want to give him a job, but is it fair to judge somebody just by the worst thing they've done?
1: You, you can't overlook when the worst thing is actually the worst thing, right? Like, and I have the worst thing you could do, right? It's not like he killed somebody, right? Like, people literally say that and refer to the, what I did. Like, they refer to the worst thing. So, yeah,
0: Rick killed somebody. And for some people, that's it. That's all they need to know about Rick. But today's episode is about Rick's path to redemption. Him teaching himself to code in prison, uh, smuggling in a Python interpreter and free code camp lessons, and then getting out and trying to get a job as a dev when you're a felon. And then finally trying to help marginalized folks learn development. It's a wild story. And it starts when Rick was a teenager and his dad got a house.
1: Up until then, we had stayed in, like, little trailers. And uh, at one point, it was, like, a really busted trailer that only didn't have, like, rooms. It was just, like, beds on each end. We were able to get a house, and that was, like, you couldn't tell us anything, You <laughs> right? Like, I thought I was, like, I thought I was rich. I thought we were I thought we were living, living the life. That house was just a happening place. It was, like, there's always extra people there. We were always either doing some drugs or, like, alcohol. It was just very, very dysfunctional. I was into selling drugs. I was into, like, whatever. I just, you know, made the worst choices you could ever imagine in life up until that point, in and out of county jails and juvie and all the things. I had gotten into a lot of of altercations, and I seemed to... They always ended in fights and, and, and violent incidents. I didn't think I was a bad guy, right? Like, I was. Clearly, I wasn't making great decisions, but I wasn't the aggressor, usually. So it made it... I usually felt like it, it was justified or you know you just rationalize your behavior and when you're that young you know you don't you don't know any better And, and again this isn't minimizing it but like i was raised like you don't walk away if someone says something you know you'd never let somebody like punk you it was just one of those things like it's embedded in you at a young age it's really hard to break one night everything changed at this particular time, uh, me and a friend were at a party and a big fight broke out and my friend started getting jumped. It was uh, some older men from our area. We were teenagers. He was 17 and I stabbed one of the guys. It was just a horrible decision. I was an idiot, you know, like just a really dumb kid. guy I stabbed was 28.
0: So Rick fled the scene of the fight before the cops could arrive.
1: Someone called me. He was a friend of mine and he was crying because he had the cops had picked him up and he was like, I could tell he was kind of like crying. I'm like, what? What's wrong with you? He's like, dude, you got to get out of there. He's like, that dude died last night. The cops told me they'd give you self-defense if I told him. So basically he was telling me he told, but he also was trying to give me a heads up to get give me a chance to get out of there. I probably need to look at like statute of limitations before I start talking too much. <laughs> so yeah, I took off and hit at some people's houses and some friends' houses. Hiding is
0: probably not the responsible thing to do. But it hadn't really sunk into Rick, the gravity of the situation. Although he did know he needed to talk to his dad.
1: And so I called him and I'm like, hey, dad, you you probably need to come over. He said, I'm getting calls that like cops just raided our house. What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And so I call him and he comes over to the house. And I'm like, man, you need to sit down on the, uh," he sits down on this bed. And, you know, I mentioned my dad who is very loving, very dysfunctional in his own right. Like, I mean, he's got stories that like, dude, you wouldn't believe him. Right. If I told you, like it's stuff you see out of a movie, right? Like stuff that happened, you, you know, years ago, like it, just to give you an idea, like he named me after his best friend who their whole group, you know, one died in cop shootout one, you know, shootout with cops, the other OD'd and the other, I mean like, yeah, the the guy has like a, uh, his life is like a movie. It's pretty wild. So he's a real big dude too. He's like six five, two sixty at the time. And um, I remember standing there and I just, I was like, dad, and I had been in a lot of incidents right and he even like in his dysfunctional way to pride in it sometimes oh yeah you know my boy stands up for people or my boy, you know like you know rick got a fight and won right like so he, he this very toxic like you know my boy could fight type of thing like so he there are many times where we discuss that stuff and he's not like a normal parent right like he it would, would would laugh and hear about these tales and so this is one where it was like, it was just sad. Like, I, I was like, man, I said, I, I stabbed somebody last night. And um, he's like, oh, no. He said, how is he? And I'm like, well, that's why I'm trying to tell you that. I'm like, the guy died. And he just like broke down in tears. And he sat down on the bed. And he like buried, like just dropped his head. It just was bawling. This is a really big dude, right? Like wild, everywhere he goes, it's a big party type of guy. Like to see him just like break down like that, it was super sad.
0: Do you think your dad was crying because he knew you were gonna go away?
1: Yeah. Oh, he knew. I didn't fully know, but he knew. Like you could tell. Like he knew, like, oh, yeah, you fucked up this time, right? Like you really messed up this time. Like we lived a life that was pretty wild, and at some point it does catch up. And I think like at that point it caught up with it. Because after that, it was like it was especially for, for him, it was like downhill. You know, fell back into addiction a little bit later. I'm lost a lot of stuff.
0: So Rick turned himself in. He was charged with second-degree murder. He took a plea bargain for 21 years, and he would end up serving almost 18 years in prison. At first, prison was a culture shock for Rick.
1: The guy was at ACI, Apalachicola, which is like a notoriously hard prison. It's up in the panhandle of Florida. It's like not even like the rest of Florida. It's weird. You get up there, you feel like you're in Alabama. It's it's wild. It's so different from where I'm from. And no offense to anybody from the country, but I'm just saying, you got these like what I the stereotype of like, you know, spitting tobacco. Come here, boy. Get your ass over here, boy. You know, like <laughs> like like literally on horses with shotguns at the time. It was wild. Really? Yeah. At the time, they had this thing. It was like literal chain gang, and it was something out of like, like a freaking movie from the '50s or something. It's just wild, yeah. right? Your life could suck in there depending on the job you get and you might get like like one of my first jobs it was a cabbage field i think you're just out there freaking picking cabbage and like doing farm shit and that was horrible in the florida sun all day man it sucked yeah it was it was terrible it just it makes your time way worse way worse
0: prisons can vary a lot but in florida they mainly have a dorm system. Prisoners sleep in a large dorm room and there's no air conditioning, so it's pretty humid most of the time. The first big challenge Rick had in prison was finding a way out
1: of cabbage duty. Can you imagine 18 years of picking cabbage? I can't put that on my resume, right? Rick applied for other jobs? I usually tried to get in jobs where it would just have extra free time so that I could read. I was always either running like the education department or like a houseman job, which is you just clean the dorm after everybody leaves.
0: Once he got off the chain gang, Rick did just fine in prison. And he's an outgoing person, so he actually had lots of people who'd come and visit him. You can only have so many people on your visitors list, though.
1: So I put my buddy Jared on this other dude's list, Dan, and we get up to visitation, all of us together, and somehow we say Dan's name. We call him Dan the Freezer Man. Eventually, my friend Jared's like, we went to get a drink. He's like, Rick, come here. And so we're getting drinks, and he's like, why do y'all call him Dan the Freezer Man? And so I tell him, I'm like, he buried somebody in a freezer. And he's like, bro, what the fuck? He said, man, take me off dude's list. He's like, put me on your list. Don't ever put me on somebody's list like that ever again. And I'm like, ah, maybe I should have told you. He's like, yeah, you should have fucking told me.
0: (laughs) It's weird, though. Like, I think it ties into your story, too. Like when you think of somebody with like some label, this is what they did. It's different than knowing the person. It becomes a thing they did, but like there's other things in there too.
1: Yes. Yes. You, you separate it. I think you start viewing them as a human that have flaws. At some point, it's almost like it's an afterthought. Like You don't even think about it. So Rick is
0: going to get interested in software development while in prison. And he's even going to get a Python interpreter smuggled in so he can learn Python. But before we get into that, I'm just kind of curious about what doing 18 years in prison feels like. Like, what do people get wrong about prison life?
1: Um, What do they get wrong about prison? I don't think that it's as hard as people think it is. If you've ever been to, like, rougher, poorer neighborhoods, it's kind of like that. It's basically the same thing. It's no different. Except you can't get away. You know, you're trapped. And I think that you, like, maybe wouldn't suspect how much fun you can have. Like, you, you end up with friends, and you have birthdays in there, and you're like, you know, you, you do have some fun.
0: When you say it, it's like, yeah, of course you'd have some friends and you guys would hang out and there'd be fun. But that that's not what makes it into the TV shows.
1: It's not the it's not the fascinating part to people. Like if you went in, you'd be fine. Just stay on your bunk and read or whatever. If someone is like outgoing as I am, can be all right. I think most people can be.
0: Nice. There's a big lesson. Prison, not so bad.
1: It's bad uh-huh. in the ways you don't suspect. That's the problem. You, you see life going by and you can't do anything. You can't act on it. You know, there's lots of going on, whether it be you want to do something. Like I got into boxing when I was in there and didn't matter. I couldn't like, you know, I can't go pro. Yeah. You know, you're stuck in there. You could study, you know, whatever you want in there all day long, do whatever you want. And you still, at the end of the day, you're just going to land your bunk and you're not going to be able to do anything with it. And so that is like maddening in its own ways.
0: 18 years in prison can give you a lot of free time. And for Rick, a lot of that
1: time was spent reading you don't have responsibilities really you're gonna be in this dorm maybe because it's raining and it's just you're gonna read i was super lucky I, my brother dude's a fucking genius honestly and he's constantly sending me something that's so like just interesting stuff intellectually interesting type type books and um he's actually a professor now at auburn university and so he he would he would always look out for me and like Make sure i had stuff to read and it could be anything like i went through phases like phases of the reading the classics right then you go through phases of like stuff about thinking like how not to be wrong by jordan ellenberg or like blink by malcolm gladwell I like read all his stuff but you have time so you can like read even like weightier stuff and it's fun
0: as rick got closer to the end of his sentence he started thinking about what he would do once he got out
1: you know what can i do? that can actually give me a decent life, right? Like where I don't have to grind. And growing up, I did a lot of like physical labor with my dad, he did seawalls and that stuff is brutal. These
0: were rock seawalls. Rocks would get dumped in with front end loaders, but also needed to be rolled into place. Rick's dad was always looking for more help.
1: We might have a bunch of people stay at the house and the next day he'd be like, come on y'all get up and I'll I'll give y'all a little something. So he's like, he makes us all go to work with him. But regardless, like it was it very impressionable on me that I don't want to fucking do that the rest of my life. Like it was really, it was really hard. And so I'm looking at skills and I don't know how to do anything. I'm not mechanical. I'm like, man, this is, you know, this is going to be rough. So I think I was reading it in The Economist, the demand for software engineers. And as you, you know, this was like 2015, 14. And after I read it, I felt like everything I picked up had something about that. So before I ever started coding, I was having stuff sent in about coding. So I would read all about it. I'd have books like, I think it's called More Awesome Than Money. It was a Facebook alternative, like startup thing. I saw the social network, the movie. We I don't know, something about it was fascinating. And of course, it was more like the idea of it rather than the actual thing. Because, you know, getting the hardcore skills is a lot different than just fantasizing about, oh, I'm making a ton of money as a coder.
0: The social network, they're like coding and doing shots and then cannonballing into a pool, if I recall.
1: Right. It was my language. It was speaking my language at the time. I was like, oh look at this. This is how everybody lives. It's like the life of a king.
0: So now Rick just has to learn how to code. Learning to code is actually hard. But it does seem like a great thing to teach prisoners in prison. Like if they're interested. But there's a problem.
1: You know, this ain't California. This is Florida. <laughs> they want you they want you in the cabbage cabbage fields. <laughs> There is, however, a computer
0: lab in one of the dorms.
1: They weren't ancient, but they were, you know, like old Dell towers that you would see in like a classroom in like 98, maybe, or 96 or something. You know, just older types of things. I mean, like, you could probably just look up any room with computers from the 90s, and it's probably what it looked like. These computers were part of a drug treatment program. So my friend Mohammed ran the dorm and brought this to him. I said, hey... I've read about this stuff over here in this article and blah, blah, blah. And I've had blogs sent in. I'm like, I want to put Python on the computers in there. And so he's like, all right, you know, he's down for it. So we had Python stuck in on a thumb drive and we put them on the computers. But how do, you, how do you sneak it in? Well, with this one in particular, like there's lots of ways. I mean, guards bring stuff in if you're cool with them. You know, you, you can do lots of different things. But this way in particular, we just knew somebody that worked there. It wasn't a guard, but he did work in a different area. He's passed now. He's actually doesn't work there. He's He passed away a little while ago. Awesome man, though. Really awesome guy. Like, he's the type that, like, he just wanted to support people doing good things. And he didn't care, like, if it was breaking a rule. And he knew us, right? Like, we had, I, at this particular camp, I had spent almost a decade there. So these people, like, watch me grow up there.
0: Yeah. Like, so you got Python started up, and then you type 1 plus 1, or... I don't know. what What happens? What... What were you doing?
1: Well, I got some books. It was like a set and my brother got it to me and I just went through that book and like it was mostly foundational type stuff. You know, this is what a string is. This is what this is, is what a data structure is. And yeah, I was like stepping through it. And then I tried like different courses. We got access to um, MIT OpenCourseWare and I was watching, I think his name's John Gutag. If I recall this a little while ago, I think he's the professor of the MIT CourseWare for for my Python, which was a computer science, like an introductory type of computer science class. I would follow that. I didn't really understand a ton of it at the time. I'm not going to lie. Like I'd listen and half the shit dude said I was clueless about it, but I was trying to follow <laughs> it. Right. Like, I, was, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, this is like, you got to think about it. I was like a caveman at this point, right? Like I'm like a caveman and I'm like trying to make sense of what these like wizards are talking about. And then there were some that like we had the Bucky tutorials, And this guy has got like very down to earth, just almost silly tutorials. But I liked them. They were like, if you got 10 tunas inside this array, then you eat one tuna. You know, like some real goofy stuff. But it was like, I don't know. It spoke to me, you know, maybe it was because it was layman's terms. And so I was like, I get it. Okay, I fucking get it. You don't got no tuna left. I get
0: it. Yeah, a python. I don't know. That seems like kind of perfect, right? Like it seems like that's, that's exactly what I would maybe choose for you. Like if I got to pick, you know.
1: Looking back, I think you're right. I stumbled onto it, but I think you're right. It's a perfect building block. Like just starting with something easy, with minimal syntax, and you just learn, at least for the basics of like, learn what data structures are and learn like control flow, that kind of stuff. And then you can, you know, move on. And it was a lot of fun. And I used to lose myself in those Python problems. those YouTube videos that we had on the, the thumb drives, yeah, it was a whole lot of fun. And it was like an escape, you know, we had like a little bit of music on those computers. And so like, you'd sit down and I would just zone out and just code for a little while. Still didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't find out till later that I was like, wow, I didn't know a damn thing. In my mind, I was like a software engineer. It sparked that interest.
0: So you might notice from what you've heard from Rick already, he isn't really a keep it to himself type of person. He starts talking about computer programming. He starts teaching his friend Ryan about computers, and then eventually they start teaching a class.
1: So Ryan starts helping me. He would, I'm sure he would love to be here to say this. He'd be like, you didn't fucking do anything. It's not that I didn't do anything. It's that he taught better, I felt. So when I got him teaching, I just quit. And so I didn't quit. I just started doing my own thing. So he would teach the classes and I would code Python over on the side. Once I got him teaching (laughs) in his perspective, I duped him. I I lured him into teaching and doing all the work, but it was fun. We both had a blast, but this whole thing was still a rogue class. These computers were
0: supposed to be for some drug treatment program, not for programming Python.
1: That was the problem was that when we started teaching the class, it was too noticeable. And that's kind of what brought the downfall. Like if I just sat in the corner and done my thing i probably wouldn't have even been found out but and then coding books started coming in and like they would approve some they were very arbitrary depending on who's working the mail room someone get turned in to like security like hey what's going on here they just didn't know what what we were doing they didn't understand it
0: it's not it's not a high trust environment <laughs> like
1: definitely not we don't even have metal forks and spoons right you know they think of movies they picture us hacking everything and stealing you know money out their wallet we weren't even connected to the internet or anything. You know, I don't. I understand why they wouldn't trust us. And it's Florida, right? Like you don't have those kinds of programs. Like this looks like a group of hackers, basically. Literally, we we're just trying to get skills for when we got out to be, you know, just to st- be contributing members of society, right? Like just normal people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But when the word got to the warden and to some of the higher ups, and so they came down on us. And, well, not Orion, on me, because word got back that I was the, like the ringleader of this thing. And they transferred me, but I got a taste. That's all I needed was that taste. I mean, I'm an easily excitable guy. So, like, I, it's not hard to make me think like, oh, this is the best idea ever. And I was dead set. I was locked in. I said, man, this is it. And I had a totally inaccurate idea of how long it was going to take me. I thought I was going to get out and write some Python code and get hired. And like, you know, three months out, buy my mom a house and it didn't work like that. So Rick got out and he found a place to live. So I ended up with a place almost incidentally uh, for one of my friends who had been writing and visiting. Her and I got really close and eventually became like a romantic couple. While Rick was in
0: prison, Rick's dad had fallen on some hard times.
1: He had like lost everything, was real bad, addicted to uh, opiates and was staying at this dude's house who was like a known addict, known crack addict. With the help of my brother, we got him, got him help and got him out of there. He's doing fine now. Thank God. Yeah, it was bad. Like when I get him out, he starts working, trying to get jobs here and there. He's kind of like, doesn't have a business anymore, but people knew him from the back in the days. And so he would get jobs here and there. And when he would, he'd call me. And so I'd go with him. There I am back to doing seawalls walls. <laughs> the same thing I didn't want to do. My spare time, I was, I was doing like a, just a two-year degree for programming at the local college. You don't learn a lot there. I mean, let me rephrase that. You do, but it's a slow track, right? Like there's so many classes that were just bullshit. Now I look back, I'm like, God, I could have condensed that class to something way better. And then after that, I enrolled in a CS program, transferred from there to Florida International University. Which is like a state uni here?:
0: This is where things can fall apart. It's one thing to imagine being a developer when reading some exciting book about the you know, creation of Facebook. It's another to be out of prison, you, know, be doing manual labor during the day, and then trying to build up a skill set at night.
1: I had panic attacks out here. Like, I didn't know what it was at the time, but I was driving, and I like, felt cold, like super cold and like dread. And I've never felt this way. It was so weird. I turned the radio off, like, tried to, like, limit stimulation. I almost had to pull over. Like, what the fuck's going on? Is this, like, a heart attack? (laughs) I'm like, I'm too young for a heart attack. What is this? Later, after talking with people, they're like, no, dude, I think that you had a panic attack. So, oh, okay. Interesting. This is, like, something I wouldn't expect, especially because, like, I'm very carefree. Very rarely do you find me stressed.
0: Rick's plan could have fallen apart at this stage but he started finding ways to hang out with software developers.
1: I just would go to these meetups and all over Orlando, wherever there was programmers, I would show up and listen and didn't know what was going on really. But I was trying to make it happen and it took a long time because I didn't know anyone. You know, I didn't know a single person, didn't know any programmers. Eventually built some friends and relationships. You know, I'm asking developers like for time and like advice and, and there are so many that were cool about that and would yeah what do you need what type of help and like it's just an awesome industry full of amazing people and so i would like ask hey you want to grab lunch sometime you know like let's grab lunch that so way i can just like basically ask them a thousand questions Is <laughs> all it was and i would sometimes admit you know joke like like i'll trade you prison t- stories like i got a gazillion prison <laughs> stories i'll give you a prison story if you'll give me information on how to become a programmer one person who agrees to go to
0: lunch with rick and is still his friend today, his name, Ben. So I'm like
1: super broke and I'm, I got this truck. That's like, so busted. Like it look like the truck you see, you're like, damn, I, you know, it doesn't look like it even runs like a like bent up ass red. It's red too, like red Coke can on wheels. And so like <laughs> I, I go, to, I meet him for lunch and we come out and Ben's, you know, he's been a programmer for a long time, so he's doing well. And I insist on paying his, his lunch. I insist on paying it because I feel like this guy's taking the time to like guide me and give me insight and help me out. So I feel like I, I should at least I could do was pay his pay his lunch. And so when we got to leave, I had parked down I guess near where he was parked and I didn't realize it. So we leave you know at the same time and he starts walking. This fucking guy starts walking to like the nicest Tesla out there, like this badass Tesla. Next to him is my beaten ass Coke can, right? Like. <laughs> right next to him and I was slow walk him just so he don't see me get in this truck <laughs> here I am paying this dude's paying this dude's meal and then and he did try to tell me no he's like no nah, don't worry about it but I insisted so it was stuff like that you know trying to get people to go to lunch or hang out or just talk to people and and get as much information as I can about the industry and about how to make it
0: what did you think of smartphones when you first saw one
1: it was amazing in fact I remember thinking, like, this is incredible how much you can do from a phone and from a laptop. When I got arrested, I had a pager. And so I just remember being so empowered, like, damn, I can get my life on track, like from this room, like whatever room I'm in, as long as I have access to the internet. And it was, it was really cool.
0: So Rick has a lot of tech to catch up on. Think of everything that's changed since 1998, but he was
1: obsessed. Uh, A friend of mine got me this really old Linux computer and I didn't know how to use it. It was an Ubuntu and let me borrow it for a while, like a little old laptop. And I just, I would fall asleep till like three, four in the morning. I remember being so um, excited. I would stay up like super late and whether it was on the laptop or the phone, it was just like two, three in the morning because it was just, I could fucking look up whatever I want. I can learn whatever I want. It was like a drug to me. It was pretty badass.
0: One thing Rick was looking up was how to fund his education. And he found out about Pell Grants, which is a federal student loan program.
1: It actually allowed me, it gave me enough with loans to not have to work a ton. So it actually allowed me to code on the side without working a whole lot because they had the Pell Grant, there was like, there was different loans and grants, but I had to go to class, I had to go to school to get it. Well, the classes were really easy. So, you know, it's community college, so it's like, it's, it's not super hard. So I would like knock the classes out real quick and then just do other stuff like coding or whatever. And I kind of used it to give myself time to code and to like, to learn what I was learning and, and damn if I didn't need it. Cause like, man, <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I didn't, I didn't know what an email was. I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know anything. I was a kid when I went in, like, it was a lot of work. Maybe I'm not a fast learner. I don't know, but like it took a long time. And again, though, like, you know, it's like a caveman, right? Like, I literally was like fucking figuring out what fire was and <laughs> like beating on this laptop till it made code.
0: After enough lunches and meetups around Orlando, Rick did end up cracking the code on how to learn the skill, how to become a software developer.
1: I would look for ways that, first off, that anything that will give you time even if it's a job that's maybe just a crap job, but you have a lot of free time. Something that will allow you to study. The time is everything. You need some hours in the day, especially if you're gonna catch up and try to actually be competitive. If you wanna interview at like top tier places, you're gonna have to a lot of ground to make up because you're competing with Stanford grads, right? You're competing with what well, University of Washington grads. So you're gonna need a lot of time and you're gonna need a lot of commitment.
0: If you wanted to follow in Rick's footsteps and become a top tier developer, Here's
1: how you do it. If I were starting over now from a disadvantaged background, if you can't do kind of like the community college route, like I was mentioning, like I went to Eastern Florida State College and it allowed me time. And I know it's not popular to talk about grinding, right? Like the overwork culture is not popular. I get that. This is a different space. Like You want this shit, you got to grind. You're going to have to do it on the weekends. You're going to have to like lock in. I'm sure someone's going to be like, oh, no, you don't. I don't have to. Don't put that pressure on them. That's fine. But like to me, when you come from a background, especially if you're a felon, but even if you're not a felon, you don't have a college that's going to give you any kind of signal. Right. I mean, everyone talks about the college debt, but your local community college isn't that expensive. And then that way, maybe you could just cut your work down to 10, 20 hours and then spend the rest of the time coding.
0: Once you found the time. You know, the time for coding, you need a learning
1: strategy. You focus on fundamentals first, data structures, control flow, that kind of thing. And stick to that for like a short period of time, maybe like a month, month and a half. Just do that, like basic stuff. It's not popular. People want to see things on their screen, right? They want to, they want to say they built a thing. But you've got to get those fundamentals first. Once you have those, and there's so many free options, Coursera, Free Code Camp, And then once you get some fundamentals, then you can decide on the platform.
0: For Rick, smartphones were such an amazing discovery when he came out that he chose to focus on
1: iOS. And once you pick your platform, just focus and stick to it. You know, if you're building Ruby on Rails, do that shit every day, but make sure you're building it, you know, hands on the keyboard, watch a tutorial, then do the tutorial again, but change some things, then try to recreate what you built in the tutorial, not looking, that kind of thing. Because that's the main thing is getting your skills up.
0: So while you're doing all this, grinding out tutorials, you're not done.
1: Rick says there's still another important part. You also got to know somebody. You also have to talk to somebody. You have to know somebody. And so the way you do that is, is just find a way to be around developers, whether it's meetups or online organizations. Get involved and even donate maybe an hour or two if you can. you gotta, you got to focus and build your relationships with intention. Like hang out, talk. a part just really just be i don't care we'll go back to the cabbage field i don't care if they're picking cabbage right go out in that cabbage field pick cabbage with them and hang out like just be around developers because those those are the people that usually will help you get offer opportunities and you'll know when they're going to be hiring. sometimes before the job you know ever even hits the the job board
0: oh that's a great great summary people can climb from various socioeconomic backgrounds up but it's like a harrowing undertaking
1: It is. It definitely is. And I know I understand why people push back on the don't be hard on yourself, you know, all the pressure, don't like take a day off. It's okay. And I get that. Like, I get that. But when you're coming from way behind everyone else in this rat race, you got a lot of catching up to do. I try to speak without bullshitting about what it takes because it does take a grind. And I know every boot camp out there, every coach, And every like content creator wants to create this narrative, you know, three months in a JavaScript framework and you're getting paid. And and that's just not how it is for most of us. Most of us are going to grind. Most of us are going to like, it's going to take a hardcore commitment, a lot of investment. You're not going to see a return on it for a little while. So that takes willpower. And maybe I'm just speaking for people I know, you know, maybe it's a small circle, but I can tell you from my own experiences, it takes a lot out of you. You know, it takes a lot of grind and a lot of commitment.
0: Part of that grind, once you have some skills, is just grinding through some job interviews. You're probably not gonna get the first job you apply for. So in the first couple of years, Rick got a couple interviews under his belt.
1: I bombed the interviews because I didn't know what I thought I knew. I didn't know shit and I thought I knew something and I, <laughs> which I found out I didn't know anything. Did terrible in some of the in a couple of interviews I got. Well, I mean, one I didn't do terrible, but I think also at the time I was nervous And so I didn't, there was a couple of questions that were asked that I knew later on, looking back, I'm like, oh, I knew what that was. And I just, I didn't, for some reason, I think I was just nervous.
0: So Rick is working his own three-stage plan, you know, find the time, get the skills, get the network. When it came to networking, it turned out that one of Rick's friends from before he was in prison was a super helpful connection.
1: You know, he was like one of my my homeboys that like, you know, if he had problems, he would call her or whatever, that kind of thing so that actually played in my favor
0: his friend's wife was a .NET
1: developer he told her that that like no he really was always sticking up for somebody and so coming from him i don't know you know maybe it was it made an impression on her and so then we hung out a bunch and she was like yeah i want to try to help you and so she explained to the hiring manager and of course he's asked asked like what happened and i just told him you know like I made some horrible choices, and I can't undo those. Right, like um, I can't change it, but I can tell you, I'm not the same person. And you know, if you give me a chance, I'll show you. And
0: did you ever think about like just lying or covering it up, or just I don't know? I would I would just try to not not have it come up. That'd be my strategy.
1: Like I've I hear you, and I I just I'm very transparent. Right, like it's it's a huge part of my life. It's it's such a large part that it's going to come up, right? Like, at the time, it was half my life. Yeah. From the time, you know, and all my life is an adult. So it's bound to come up at some point. And I feel like I want to get ahead of it. If someone's going to find out, I want me to tell them. I would rather be the one to tell them. And like, if you're going to refer me, Adam, I wouldn't want later on the hiring manager to come back and be like, damn, Adam, you could have told me, like, you know, this guy's went to prison. Like, I like people knowing they can trust me. And so there is that, like, You know, if you're going to refer me, I'm going to make sure, you know, I come with some baggage and this is that baggage. So the hiring manager wants to hire him.
0: But after hearing about his past, he decides he should check with the whole team.
1: So he asked everyone in the office because it was in person. You know, he had to talk to them to make sure they were all cool with it. There's not many groups of people you're going to find where everybody's okay with someone coming on premises that's killed someone. And everybody was. They're like, yeah, it's fine. And here I am out here with normal people who somehow find it in them to be like that open-minded and understanding and empathetic, I guess. Been pretty badass when I've met people like that. So it
0: took almost three years, two years and eight months, but now Rick is a professional developer. He's being paid to write code. The next step, of course, is to get on social media.
1: I tweeted that I had you know, got a job as a software engineer, he mentioned like my background, And I had a ton of people reach out. And a lot of people started asking me like, hey, I have a felony or I did time or whatever. You know, would you help me? So I got the small group together, got them all in like a text group. And so we'd text and we like all of us would chat on just this little text group.
0: So Rick names this group Underdog Devs. And along with his new dev job, he becomes a leader and a coach for this group. He's this model that other people can aspire to.
1: I feel vindicated on having been so open so early, even with like my 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 Twitter or like whatever I do, because it's like a lot of people have told me, man, it helped. That fucking helped me a lot. Seeing you be so transparent, seeing you win. And I that wasn't purposeful. I, I'm going to be honest. Like I didn't do that intentionally. I'm going to help everyone else feel brave, right? Like <laughs> I wasn't trying to make anybody feel brave, but it did that. Well,
0: Rick's inspiring people and helping them via text and building up this mentoring process. His friend Ryan, his co-teacher from prison, the prison Python class, gets out of prison.
1: And he did the same thing I did because, you know, it's he's like listening. He, I'm giving him my advice on what I think we should be doing. So he joins the community college and Eastern Florida State College, gets the same degree I did. And he's doing good. He's got a lot of grit. He just doesn't interview well. <laughs> he does. He's terrible at interviews. Dude's super smart, super smart, but you wouldn't know it in the interview. He just doesn't interview well. And his whole background's all construction, right? At first, he was, you know, he was doing like a lot of powerlifting. He was doing a lot of other stuff. And we had like that come to Jesus, as they say, talk, like where you're just like real with each other. And I was like, dude, you got to fucking give some of this shit up. It's not going to work, man. You're going to squander. You're not going to get hired. You got to get your skills better than what people suspect because... We don't have strong signals. We're not sending strong signals, right? Like, I don't have a Stanford degree. We have felonies. Your skills got to compensate for that. And so you got to give shit up and you got to lock in.
0: So Ryan gave up on powerlifting and he committed to grinding out his programming skills. And by this time, underdog devs had become something bigger. It had moved to Slack. It had suggested classes and it had a collection of mentors from the industry. Mentors are part of Rick's original formula of time plus skills plus network. You need to hang out with developers to become a developer and your mentors are sort of there to help that process happen.
1: So we got him in Underdog Devs. He was grinding and eventually he showed commitment and we got him in Project Underdog.
0: Project Underdog is a special program in Underdog Devs where you get some financial assistance. We'll get to that shortly.
1: So we found out he got hired and I'm not gonna lie, I teared up a little bit and but I'm listening to him. He, he called me. We we'll put him on speakerphone. I'm like, so what's up? He just starts grunting on the phone. He's like, dude, they gave me an offer. Ugh. And I was, dude, I was laughing so hard. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, is that a grunt? Are you grunting at me, dude? <laughs> and he's like grunting on the other side of the phone. It was funny. And But that's the type of, type of shit. That's why you do it. You know, like, that's why yeah, to yeah. me, underdog devs like flourishes without a dime going into operating costs because moments like that.
0: I think grunting is like the powerlifting cry. That's. that's
1: <laughs> I didn't think about that, but you're right. That's exa- that's how you should communicate. That is like yeah. powerlifting language, I think. I don't know. I don't powerlift, but like, yeah, it sounds like it's, it's true. <laughs> so
0: underdog devs grows larger. They get some help from Udacity on course credits. They become a registered nonprofit. Rick gets advice from Big Nerd Ranch, Jessica McKellar, whose company was sold to Dropbox Joins and starts helping out. And meanwhile, people from Rick's childhood, they start noticing how successful he's become.
1: Everyone I was close with growing up, like my circle. Clearly, I've made a lot of other friends since then. And like my, you know, my, my friend groups are varied now, but the group I grew up around, they're all doing construction stuff. So yeah, there's quite a few that were like, what the fuck? Like they's watching me go away. Some of them came and visited and then they watched me come back. And now I'm like in an industry that they don't even, you know, I've never been a, been around. And I'm like, I try to tell y'all like, here, let me help you out. But that's ex- in fact, that's how, kind of how underdog dev started was people reaching out like, hey, how'd you do that? Right? Like, how did you do that? How did you go from prison to programming like as a, as a profession and me saying, I could try to help you if you want, you know?
0: So the scope of underdog devs expanded. It went from helping felons to helping all kinds of people from lower socioeconomic backgrounds. Like Juan, a construction worker who's in the program right now and trying to become a professional software developer. And Rick is always looking for more mentors.
1: Okay, so if you want to help out, we got a couple ways. The most general mentorship is one hour bi-weekly. And this is more like general. We, we'll, you you know, you, It's up to you, it's your agenda, you guide them. And we would love help with that like you know you're helping people that are like really good people like they're good people that made poor choices and they've been trying to get their life on track and they just don't have the network you know because they're from different environments and then we have project underdog which is kind of special which jessica McKellar helped start and project underdog is where we we take people like juan who like i've seen him he's got grit he's smart his circumstances just don't allow right like he's got to work construction all day he's got to help his family and and He's probably you know, the statistics like kind of like lay this out for us in our country. When you're born into lower socioeconomic background, when you're born into those spaces, you're going to probably die in those spaces. It's hard to break out. Well, coding levels the field. It allows for like, you know, if you've got the skill, you can do it. If, but you also have to have the time. So, you know, with Project Underdog, they get the time because we, we find the people who are grinding without it. Like he would come home from construction at work. And code, and jump on meetings. And so we select those that have the highest, like shown a lot of grit and consistency and bring them in. And for that, we need mentors who are like really skilled for that. And every mentee gets five mentors. And so Monday to Friday, they pair program with a different mentor each day from this problem set that Jessica's built. It's not necessarily leak code-ish. Like we're not asking them to worry about time and space complexity, but we are asking them to solve problems and to like, pair programming guide the mentee. So for that, that's an hour a week. It's like the heartbeat of underdog devs. And you see stories that will like bring you to tears. Like if you've got any emotion at all, it's the most amazing stories you've ever seen. I mean, there's a reason that we've been doing this. You know, we're going on three years now. There's a reason we do this and I don't get a dollar from it. Every bit we have, all our all our stuff goes to the stipends because I feel like that's how we can expand access, and it's rewarding itself. It's rewarding in itself. I don't need a dollar. Jessica's rich; she don't fucking need no money. And so you'll see once you once you get involved and you do it and you see people's life change. I've heard it over and over and over. I can't express this enough. People telling me, "Whoa, this has been life changing. This is pretty badass. This is you know just saying how much how meaningful it is to them."
0: That's awesome. You know, you mentioned it there. I was just thinking about it.
1: Like, do you do you think we live in a
0: fair world? Do you think that people from these lower income areas have a same crack at things that everybody else does?
1: No way, no way. I mean, you can't. You can't. I'm not saying that like everything's completely unfair. We have a lot of opportunity in in the United States. Clearly, right? Like, I've done all right. And I had a lot of odds against me. But if, like, 95% of the people born into lower socioeconomic standing die in that same space and you don't rise above it, there's something there. Like, it's not, you can't tell me that's random, right? Like, there's things, and whether it's the, whether, you know, you could blame culture, you could blame system you could blame. There's lots of, there's lots of elements. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not a trained sociologist, so I'm not going to say that I know for sure, but I am going to say it's clear that there's a disadvantage to being born into certain spaces. Like my own journey gives hints at that. In fact, talking to my daughter, she's into coding. She's making all A's, like discussing Deep Work, the book with her. The contrast in how I was raised that by itself, right? Like that by itself just sits with me. Like, fuck, I'm like, we're discussing w- the value of concentration and Cal Newport's work on this, the study of concentration and focus. And on the other hand, when I was her age, I was probably like, you know, trying to talk my dad into letting us put a keg. So I'm not saying that's, uh, and it's just an example. Like, there's lots of other stuff, just environments that are toxic. You don't, you know, one parent's discussing college opportunities, the other parent is screaming that they're gonna blow their head off and leave because something happened, right? I mean, just you know, it's different environments. Definitely, definitely not fair. Like you automatically just assume there's a ton of economic mobility, but there's not. It's not as it's not what you think. There's not a level playing field completely. There are opportunities though. And I know that like that's the main thing our group does is try to make sure that people have opportunities if they do have grit and they have tenacity, we want to be there so that they're not just washed out because of the circumstances, right? And like, I'm not saying that I'm systemically held back. There are people that are systemically held back. I don't think I'm one of them, but I am where class is concerned. There's a lot there that affects people that you don't look at. There's a lot of things holding people back from certain spaces and certain backgrounds that aren't necessarily noticeable from the outside,
0: that was the show a big thank you to rick for sharing his story go to underdogdevs.org to check out the program find him uh on twitter and also in the show notes and if you like the show you know share it with somebody so they can learn about it as well uh or just like spam it in the off topic channel at your work or in some discord server i don't know <laughs> and if you're a super fan support me on patreon to get access to more episodes and you know just encourage me to keep making them and until next time thank you so much for listening